Welcome to a series of talks about objective consciousness, an objective universe, and an objective way to awaken, expanding upon the works of George I. Gurdjieff and Russell A. Smith. We have recently published the first chapter of the audiobook of the Blueprint of Consciousness in a five-part series. Last week, as a special bonus, we gave to you the first part of Chapter 2, The Uncreation of the Universe, where we describe the changing of the law of three and show how there are no such things as denying forces in our universe. We had such a good response from this that we will offer Part 2 this week as a bonus bonus. Let's begin. Chapter 2 The Uncreation of the Universe Part 2 We label the forces affirming, denying and reconciling not because they are affirming, denying and reconciling but because of how they interact. Let us take another event. A boa constrictor and a tiger again meet and battle. The tiger is protecting its cubs, which are nearby. She is a mother, defending her children. Thus, she fights a little harder to keep the boa constrictor away from her cubs, causing the boa to flee. We then label the tiger's cubs as the reconciling force, because they helped the tiger. We label the forces denying and reconciling by using this concept. But the forces by themselves are neither denying nor reconciling. You got the picture? Does that make sense to you? We are sorry to destroy what you were taught, that there are denying and reconciling forces. But, unfortunately, there are not. When the Yankees play the Red Sox, if the Yankees always win, you might call the Yankees a denying force. But sometimes they lose, and the Red Sox are the denying force. It changes. It is a momentary thing, and sometimes it depends on whether or not you have to win one for the gipper. The tree that has been growing over there for 30 years is surrounded by other forces. Bugs, birds, blights, bacteria and stuff, all trying to eat it. But... Its bark and sap are fending them off. However, someday that tree is going to become old and weak. And when it stops ascending, the other forces that are still trying to ascend will consume it. They are not denying forces. 
They are just other affirming forces, trying to survive. But enough about trees. Back to the question. If the forces are separated, where are they? It begins with this truth. All forces are affirming forces. That is, they are not plus, minus and neutral, but rather plus, plus and plus. If we separated three forces that were plus, plus and plus, where would they go? Since like charges repel, the only way to separate three plus forces would be to separate them equilaterally. Equilateral separation can be viewed in many ways. For instance, let us imagine them as magnets. On one of the videotapes called The Strange New Science of Chaos, you saw how a swinging magnet got repelled by a fixed magnet. Now, imagine that you took a magnet and hung it down, like the one you saw in the video. If you did, it would just hang there. However, if you took a second magnet with the same polar strength as the first magnet, equal forces, and hung it down next to the first magnet, how do you think those two magnets would interact? They would repel each other. They would both try to hang straight down. But since they have like charges, they would repel each other, and the interaction would be very unstable. That is, they would swing around each other, always seeking to hang straight down. And you would have an unstable, chaotic system, like the one you saw in the video. Then, if you took a third magnet, with the same polar strength as the first two magnets, equal forces, and hung it down next to the other two, how do you think those three magnets would interact. They would all repel. Not only would they all repel, but they would orient in the configuration of a perfect equilateral triangle, with one magnet at each point of the triangle. Each magnet would be trying to fall to the center. But since it is being repelled from different angles by the other two magnets, it gets held in place. The three magnets would be in equilateral separation, a very stable configuration. The whole system may rotate, but the magnets would be fixed in equilateral separation. That is, the separation of three equal forces can only be equilateral. Who would have thought that a little model of magnets could show you exactly the way things are?
we see the same configuration in chemistry. For instance, hydrogen atoms have a positive charge. If you have a molecule like methane, which has four hydrogen atoms, what shape would that molecule take? A tetrahedron. It would be a perfect tetrahedron. Four hydrogen atoms, one at each point. And the angle of separation between the four hydrogen atoms would all be 109.5 degrees. Tetrahedral separation. A four-sided geometric structure called a tetrahedron. If we look at other chemical structures, we will see other geometric forms. So, it is not hard to understand that three forces will form an equilateral triangle. Again, what shape do we get with three forces? An equilateral triangle. And, with four forces, we get a tetrahedron. What about salt? What is salt? A sodium chloride crystal. What shape is salt? Cube-shaped. Sodium and chlorine make cubes, like little dice. It is the only way they can orient. Things shape based on their molecular properties. Sodium and chlorine make cubes. And carbon makes diamonds. Which you can cut into 57 facets. Fascinating. The point is, if you have three forces that are all the same, not plus, minus and neutral, but plus, plus, and plus, then what shape would they take? The shape of a perfect triangle. We now know something about the separation of forces. Forces that were once in one place went to different places. And when they did, they became equilateral and now stand at three-thirds, two-thirds, and one-third of the whole. In the Enneagram, an equilateral triangle represents the three separated forces. It divides the circle into three equal parts. Could the points of the triangle at one-third, two-thirds, and three-thirds of the circle be literally pointing to the forces. Fortunately, Gurdjieff helps us here by not burying the dog too deep. In fact, in views from the real world, it is not buried at all. It is just lying there. A man should be able to give a total of 30 for everything taken together. This figure can be obtained only if each centre can give a certain corresponding number.
For instance, 12 plus 10 plus 8. If 30 is correctly a true manifestation of man, and this 30 is produced by three centers in a corresponding correlation, then it is imperative that the centers should be in this correlation. In Gurdjieff's teachings, man has seven centers. Higher mental center, higher emotional center, intellectual center, emotional center, moving center, instinctive center, and sex center. Each center is an independent brain with its own memories, associations, and will. The higher mental center and the higher emotional center are fully functional. But man, in his present state, has little or no contact with them. At the other end of the stick, the sex center is designed to begin functioning later in life and will function properly if the moving, instinctive, emotional and intellectual centers function properly. Gurdjieff's main emphasis was directed toward the instinctive, moving, emotional and intellectual centers. If these centers worked at their full capacity, man would have contact with his two higher centers. The functioning of higher centers is quite miraculous and explains why some of man's higher moments seem to go beyond the sensual perceived reality of his lower centers. In addition, Gurdjieff depicts man as a three-story factory. His moving and instinctive centers are in the lower story. His emotional center is in the middle story. And his intellectual center is in the upper story. This trinity in man, as in everything, arises from the three primordial forces. In All and Everything, first series, second book, pages 778 to 780, Gurdjieff identifies the moving and instinctive centers, the lower story, as the denying force, the emotional center, the middle story, as the neutralizing force, and the intellectual center, the upper story, as the affirming force. Later, we will explore these ideas in greater detail. For now, we can use this knowledge to help us decipher the above passages. The key in the phrase is it is imperative that the centers should be in this correlation and this correlation is expressed by the ratios 12, 10 and 8. Gurdjieff put that clue right in front of us in views from the real world. He said 
a man should be able to give a total of 30 for everything taken together. This figure can be obtained only if each centre can give a certain corresponding number. For instance, 12 plus 10 plus 8. If 30 is correctly a true manifestation of man, and this 30 is produced by three centres in a corresponding correlation, then it is imperative that the centres should be in this correlation. Remember, when we first told you about those ratios, back in chapter 1? If not, go back and reread page 54. We showed you that the smallest representation of those ratios was 6, 5 and 4. However, Gurdjieff chose to use 12, 10 and 8 which makes man a 30, instead of a 15. That is okay. It is the same thing. The ratios are the same. 12, 10, 8 is identical to 6, 5, 4. There is no difference. Then, on the rest of page 17 of Cosmic Secrets, it talked about centers, the affirmation of the head brain being the 12, the denying of the spinal marrow being the 8, and the reconciliation of the sympathetic nervous system being the 10. Thus, if a man unifies his three centers, one of them will contribute the 12, another will contribute the 10, and the third will contribute the eight. Together, they will make the man a thirty. If thirty is correctly a true manifestation of man, and this thirty is produced by three centers in a corresponding correlation, then it is imperative that the centers should be in this correlation. If a man only has two of his centers working together, then the best he can be is a 22, 12 and 10, or maybe a 20, 12 and 8, or perhaps an 18, 10 and 8. But he can never be a 30 unless he has all three centers working together. Therefore, our aim should be to unite three centers, the twelve, the ten, and the eight, causing them to work together so that we too can be a thirty. Now that we have the mathematics of twelve, ten, and eight, we can put that mathematics on our triangle. We know about musical octaves. Musical octaves, double or half. So, if a musical octave descends from 12, where will it go to? To 6. 
Since the length of that octave is six, then one-third of that octave, or its far, would be at what number? At eight. And two-thirds of that octave, or its la, would be at what number? At ten. The musical octave shows us that in an octave with a length of six, the numbers twelve, ten, eight, and six are at the notes do, la, fa, and do, respectively. And also shows us that the mathematics of twelve, ten, and eight is the mathematics of the separated forces at thirds. Okay, are you happy with the idea that forces are separated equilaterally at perfect thirds? Three people can produce a chord by singing the notes Do, La and Fa together. If one sings a vibration proportional to the twelve, one sings a vibration proportional to the ten, and one sings a vibration proportional to the eight, they will sound a chord. A sound which is bigger than the twelve, bigger than the ten, and bigger than the eight. The sound of a thirty. The more we learn about the laws of world creation and world maintenance, the more we find in perfect accordance with them. They are truly amazing. If we place these ratios at the points of the Enneagram's triangle, we would form a descending octave from 12 to 6, or an ascending octave from 6 to 12. Mathematically, we can verify that the numbers 8, 10 and 12 are at perfect thirds of this totality. In the octave from 6 to 12, 8 equals 1 third, 10 equals 2 thirds and 12 equals 3 thirds. Gurdjieff's clue three centers in 12, 10, and 8 correlation confirms the precise location of the three separated forces, placing them at three-thirds, two-thirds, and one-third of the whole. By unifying what we have learned so far, we can make these assertions. For the absolute... The three forces unite at each place. For the universe, the three forces are separated. That is, in the ratios 12, 10 and 8. Three-thirds, two-thirds and one-third of the whole. If we diagram this idea in the form of an octave, 
we get the following. Absolute. Do equals first, third and second forces. Universe. Do equals three thirds. First force. Absolute T equals first, third and second forces. Universe T equals seven eighths. Absolute La equals first, third and second forces. Universe La equals two thirds. Third force. Absolute So equals first, third and second forces. Universe So equals one half. Absolute Far equals first, third and second forces. Universe Far equals one third, second force. Absolute Me equals first, third and second forces. Universe Me equals one quarter. Absolute Ray equals first, third and second forces. Universe Ray equals one eighth. Note, the forces in the universe correspond to the diatonic Do, La and Fa. As shown in the diagram on page 18 of Cosmic Secrets, in the absolute, the three forces are all at Do. That is, the first, third and second forces are all at the same place. However, in the universe, the three forces are separated. They take the position of perfect thirds and become the diatonic notes Do, La and Fa. Russell explains the following visuals as he puts them in the diagram at the bottom of page 18. He puts Do Do, Ti Ti, La La, etc. to the left of the Do, Ti and La in the absolute so that the absolute has three Do's to emphasize that all three forces start at Do and all sound the same notes as they descend. Then, in the diagram of the universe, he puts a Do, Do and Do to the left of the Do, La and Fa and draws a line from each Do in the absolute to each Do in the universe to emphasize the separation of forces. He then explains that this can be visualized graphically and he points to the diagram on page 19. He draws a line from the top three shaded circles the Do's on the left to the Do, La and Fa on the right to emphasize the separation of the three forces. He also puts a Do below the Do, La and Fa on the right to help students realize that the Do, La and Fa contain the Do's of new octaves. Sometimes he even puts 12, 10 and 8 
by the separated does to emphasize their proportionality. Or three-thirds, two-thirds and one-third by the does on the diagram at the top of page 19 as well as circles three-thirds, two-thirds and one-third in the diagrams on pages 18 and 19 to emphasize the math of the separated forces. He really tries hard to hammer that into their heads, that the three separated forces are at three-thirds, two-thirds and one-third of the whole, and there is a doe, doe and doe at the doe, la and fa, and they are in a 12, 10 and 8 ratio. Okay, we went from the three forces being together to the three forces being separated. Do you see it? The forces started off in one place. Then they became separated. They separated to the points of an equilateral triangle. This separation into perfect thirds gave them the ratios 8, 10 and 12. We have now successfully understood the changing of the law of three. Does it make sense? It went from everything being at one spot to things becoming separated. And that separation allows for only one shape. The shape of an equilateral triangle. Just like methane is a tetrahedron and salt is a cube. The forces that were one in the Holy Sun Absolute were split into three. Thus, creation began. That concludes today's podcast. If you would like a chance to read the whole book, The Blueprint of Consciousness, An Accelerated Path to Awakening, which is available as a high-quality 520-page hardback, and also as a PDF download, simply visit the store at our website, thedogteachings.com. The Blueprint of Consciousness contains an objective exercise in awakening, that has literally awakened hundreds of people. Be free. Be awake. Be real. And realize your full potential as a human being. On our website, you will be able to listen to other talks, obtain diagrams, animations, supporting videos, and much, much more. In addition, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under the dog teachings. And, as a reminder, we have two Zoom classes every Saturday to assist you. Level 1 is freely available for anyone who purchases the Blueprint of Consciousness, and the other is for those who have obtained the Master Exercises and the Double or Nothing Exercises. Siendo Resources, 
Zoom classes for more details. All at the dogteachings.com. That's T H E D O G T E A C H I N G S dot com. Goodbye. Until next time.